0: Andrew, we made mention yesterday the AFL investigation into the Hawthorne racism report is ongoing. You're Mm. hardly hearing a thing about it. There's been absolutely zero leaks Mm. about any information at all. What we do know, though, that the author of the Hawthorne report, Phil Egan, and this is into the past racism at the club, is unlikely to appear as part of the independent investigation due to a non-disclosure agreement he has with Hawthorne and Hawthorne will not release him from it. Joining us now to to go through these legal ramifications about it all is our resident sports lawyer, Tim Fuller from Gaydon's Lawyers. Tim, good morning.
1: Hey, Paul. How are you?
0: Very well. Thank you, uh, Phil. So just going... Sorry, Phil. I've got Phil Egan on, on my mind here. Tim, my apologies. He was the, the author of it, Phil Egan, into this racism report. Now, he can't give evidence to the AFL because he has this... Agreement with Hawthorne. Now they say they will not allow him to to get out of that non-disclosure, so he can turn up and say how the report was formulated, but he can't give any information about it.
1: No, and he's, and he's been pretty um, he's been pretty forthright, Paul. He's he's, he's stated that, or at least been reported that he says that the document is actually silencing him. So that's pretty pretty dramatic. Um, so yeah, he's allowed to talk about the. The report formation and the, the process of interviewing, all those types of things. But you're not allowed to speak about any of the information that was obtained from the interviews with, um, you know, with First um, Nations players and, and, their, and their families. So it's a pretty, pretty um, interesting development with all of this.
2: It's a fascinating development. Do you think uh, some of the uh, families he spoke to have um, uh, indicated to Hawthorne that they don't want him released?
1: Particularly those who haven't agreed to be part of the inquiry. Yeah, Andrew, it's really it's really interesting because like nobody really knows much about no, you know, this uh, investigation inquiry. Like like the the terms of reference. Um, you know, obviously we know that he's spoken to families and, and former players, um, and there's been information that has come out from that in relation to alleged racism. But, you know, you can compare it to the Do Better report that came from Collingwood, and and that was, you know, completely different. Um, It didn't really address, you know, allegations of racism. What it really looked at there was, you know, the the processes and and the systems they had in place for reporting racism. And, And from that, you know, the report, as the name would suggest, was we need to do better. And possibly the sport, like the AFL, needs to do better. But this, you know, this investigation and ultimately what comes out from this has sort of been like, you know, there's been leaks here and, and drips and drabs, you know, here, and it's all around, you know, allegations of racism, but not necessarily as to what the club's going to do. And I think that's probably what's really frustrating Hill Egan is that he would um, like to talk about, you know, some of the rec- rec- recommendations maybe that um, he has made or that the club should make. But at the moment, um, as he says, it, it's... The, the NDA, the non-disclosure agreement, is effectively silencing him.
0: And another thing here, Tim, as you said, this was not a report. It was a welfare check. And that's what it seems as though Hawthorne are coming back to all the time. It wasn't a report about racism at the club. It was just a welfare check about our First Nation players.
1: Yeah, well, um, and I suppose, like, you know, with that welfare check, we've, we've seen, obviously, the AFL reasonably promptly, you know, take action with their independent investigation. So that inquiry is, you know, broader and it's into allegations of racism at the club between, I think it was 2008 to, to anyway, to 16, during that period of time. Um, so that's a more, you know, broader you know, inquiry. But the welfare check, um, Paul, as, as, you, as, you, as you said, was really just about players, their families and so forth. But what have we heard from it? allegations of racism. And then of course as to who those allegations have been directed at, that's been very, in my opinion, very unsatisfactory because yeah, know Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan really were compelled to come out and say something because they weren't obviously part of this um you know this this um this discussion and of course allegations were levelled at them. So yeah that's that's a quite unfair situation in many people's opinion.
2: Well, I think so. Uh, you'd have to say, uh, Tim, that the only sort of public uh, goings-on that we've become aware of in relation to the whole thing is the allegations against uh, Clarkson and Fagan. Everything else has been behind closed doors, which is not a satisfactory state of events. And uh, even when they get uh-huh. to have a, uh, a decision, if I can uh, call it that, um, I'd be interested to know how much of it's redacted or how much is it available, how much will they talk about the evidence given, will they just give a conclusion, um, even the way that... The, the results are
1: published is going to be interesting. Absolutely, Andrew. And, and look, and what what is Phil Egan um, trying to do? He's trying to talk to the AFL so the AFL institute their own investigation. He wants to be part of that, but he's obviously prevented you know, due to this non disclosure agreement. So then, what does he do? He says to the AFL, "Well, because of this agreement um, and because of like you know legal issues, can you?" indemnify me against any cost that might flow from talking about this report and then what does the AFL do they refuse him mm. I mean what what is what is happening here are we trying to get to the bottom of you know what's come out in the press in relation to serious and and you know horrible um, you know allegations of racism Phil Egan seems to be wanting to contribute to you know to the, um, the investigation of the AFL and they're not you know, going to support you know, his request of releasing from this, um, this agreement. So we've got a stalemate, and I think most people out there would see this as pretty unsatisfactory.
0: From a legal point of view, with the AFL re- uh, dis- uh, not agreeing to indemnify Phil Egan, it, does that come as a surprise? Do you think most organisations
1: usually would do that? Well, I think, I think context here, Paul, is probably pretty important. It's just the fact that they then... Launched an independent inquiry you know into more broader issues, but also of course at the club you know, at Hawthorne. and you know we've got the author um, who was obviously engaged by the club who's wanting to talk not just about the the formation of um, you know the, the the interviews and the processes and so forth but wanting to talk about um, you know what what um, information was obtained from the interviews but they're not, you know, um, allowing him to do that and not supporting him. So it's just, I just think it's a bit, you know, mystifying because the AFL, you know, it's, look, it's a bad look for the game and it's a bad look for the AFL, but yeah, you know, the AFL deserve a lot of credit for like, you know, being one of the, well, the first sport, to be quite honest, you know, to put in, um, you know, like a vilification policy and they've changed their rules in relation to... Um, their vilification rules. So they've been really proactive. But on this occasion, it doesn't seem to be, does it?
0: This is an AFL investigation. If this was to go before a court, would he be then compelled to give evidence? Is that right?
1: Not necessarily. Um, well, it depends because, like, there's quite, you know, um, strong rules within sport these days where, you know, when it comes to, like, things like, you know, disclosure notices and, and things like that, you know, at... A person um, who's providing information, um, you know, can be protected against self incrimination. So that's not necessarily the case. Um, so, you know, that's why they do this because they encourage people to come forward and speak freely about information that they may have. And then, of course, it's up to the sports you know, to sort of rule on that information. But you can be protected, and that's, you know, that never used to be the case in the past. So what did, what did, you know, players or coaches or whoever do? Then they often, you know, invoke their right to silence, and they didn't, didn't speak. Um, but that's, that's, you know, very different these days.
2: Geez, whoever drafted this non-disclosure agreement, if they'd done the one for Prince Andrew, might have saved him a lot of trouble, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> this one appears
1: watertight as opposed to his. Yeah, oh, he's, he's trying to get out of here, isn't he? <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of wriggle room there. So, yeah, so that's a low blow, right? <laughs> Putting Al Prince in
2: on this. But, I mean, there's another issue there. Uh, Tim, as we're both aware, I mean, uh, you can't actually induce someone to breach a contract. So The AFL's got to be careful that someone doesn't say, you're trying to induce Hawthorne to breach the non-disclosure agreement. Back off. It's, uh, it's a murky old world.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, And, uh, and look, um, you know, I think... I think the whole, you know, scenario from, you know, the Hawthorne, you know, inquiry through to the AFL investigation, and probably the biggest thing is that, you know, the public, you know, the fans, you know, don't know much about this. I mean, like, they don't know the terms of reference. No. They don't really know. They do know that there's been independent panel appointed, you know, conducting inquiry in- allegations at the club. But apart from that, I mean, that's and that's taken time. And then obviously... Impacts on, for example, Gil McLaughlin's role. Like you know, he's now looking to stay till April. So look, it's all, it's all, it's all um, involved, but it's, it's it's quite messy. This I don't think this has been probably done in the best way.
0: And it does have ramifications. Uh, if there is found to be guilt by the investigation of the coaches that have been mentioned, they could have sanctions handed down by by then, and that will affect the Brisbane Lions.
1: Oh, Paul, hundred percent. I mean, like ultimately, you know, with, with the AFL's investigation as to what um, that report produces, and, and, you, and that port, and that report will be made, you know, available. We will find out, um, you know, the, the details of that report. But yeah, look, um, without, you know, um, assuming anything, um, yeah, you're right. Like if there was to be, um, if there was to be some serious, you know. Um, Determinations from that, then yeah, there's there's some pretty big consequences, um, yeah, for people within the game.
2: And Tim, just uh, moving away from the AFL report, just for one moment, we're seeing some publicity or some writings, uh, and I'm not quite sure of the source of it and uh, how uh, credible they are about the fact that this on Peter Bowles. Uh, positive drug tests, that sort of levels of EPO sort of are open for interpretation. Uh, um, uh, and, you know, it may well be that uh, he has uh, an out there somewhere. I mean, you'd know far more about it than anyone else. Uh, are
1: you of that view, or do you think it's sort of pretty cut and dried? Well, I think, Andrew, like that issue that he raised in relation to, like, concentration levels, I think would be incumbent, um, you know, on the authorities to produce information around that, because... Um, you know it's of course strict liability applies and we all understand that and so an athlete's you know provisionally suspended while they try to clear their name but if that's the position of his team that you know it's a low concentration level and doesn't have any performance enhancing aspect then that should be explored further you know and and that's a difficult thing for the athlete to do because he's not you know given for example the opportunity to retest his sample or or do these types of things. And you sometimes see this come up, you know, let's have the sample retested. And the authorities won't allow that to happen. But what they can do is they can be proactive and they can have, you know, uh, comprehensive scientific analysis of his sample conducted and to determine, like, you know, like what level of of concentration of the EPO is actually in his system. And that could be really significant. So, yeah, like, we'll we'll see what sort of happens there. But that that call for um, testing... The concentration levels. I think is something the authorities should do because they don't do it all the time. On this occasion, you know, with a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the evidence pointing to nothing in Peter Bowles' record or history to suggest any involvement in doping. Um, this might be an occasion where they should be proactive and and do a little bit more than what they do for the average athlete.
0: What days are you available next week, Tim? Because something <laughs> will, will no doubt pop
1: up. <laughs> oh, let's hope it's not a. Let's hope it's not doping. At least <laughs> we'll do something else. <laughs> oh, we'll find yeah. something for you, Tim. Yeah, be something, we're something clean here, aren't we, Paul?
0: Pardon? Pardon? We're clean here, you and me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we'd. Pa- oh, I don't know about big. Po- <laughs> I-, I wouldn't pass a dope test, Andrew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good, Good idea. Good idea, Good oh, idea our boys, Tim. Will talk to you soon. Yes, okay. indeed. Thanks, Tim. Tim okay. Fuller there see from. See you. from- Bye.